Article 8, the purpose of civil government. We affirm that God's purpose for civil government is to establish justice for his glory and the good of all people. We affirm that unjust laws harm people and that just laws reflect the character of God and point people toward their need for a savior. That's the affirmation. The denial will come in a second as we continue our march through a look at the statement on Christian nationalism and the gospel. This is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. I've been the longtime uh, host of the Faith Debate. We're now uh, entering into our, uh, I guess, our 20th calendar year. They keep trying to kick us off the air, and we keep dodging them. We sneak in, we record, we put it on the air. I don't even know it's airing anymore, I don't think. Just sneak in. Uh, Daniel Rasby is on the show. He's a pastor as well in the area, and uh, he's he's one of the two pastors, I guess, at the, the uh, church that meets at Imran's house, and they have a ministry that is called Conquered by Love Ministries, online at conqueredbylove.org. And David Forza, he's a pastor, doesn't have a website or anything like that, so uh, I can't point you to anything to help promote David. I'd point you to like his Twitter feed or something, but he doesn't do that. Right, I, I, none, I, none of those things are biblical requirements. For yeah, I would, pastors. Yeah, I'd point you to like his his uh, his blog spot or something. He doesn't do that. Like so, David. He's, I mean, his his outreach and media exposure is pretty much the show. <laughs> yeah, for better true. or for worse, this is it. So anyway, David Forsey, uh, good friend of mine, good friend of of the show, and uh, a good friend of Jesus. Um, so again, this is the. Christian nationalist statement, Christian a statement on Christian nationalism and the gospel. If you're interested in reading it and seeing what all the details are, written it, by people who would call themselves Christian nationalists. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, gladly and broadly. I mean, they would have a, a, a narrow personal definition, but they would fit themselves within a broad panorama of definitions. And again, as I've said a few times now in our look at the statement, I think that that is to their detriment. I think they should have picked a spot that they're going to land and fight for and defend that turf and make the case. And I think that they've tried to be a little bit too much to too many people, whether or not this particular article falls into that or not. Uh, by the way, let me finish reading the article because it's pretty short. The denial on the purpose of civil government says, we deny that the purpose of civil government is to establish a secular, neutral, or godless order raises questions about whether, you know, like Rome, for example, was secular and godless. But anyway, we deny that any government is capable of neutrality as every individual and system has moral preferences and functional gods, for example, ultimate allegiances and ultimate standards by which they judge reality. We further deny the natural law is a different standard from God's moral and universal law summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And so what say you, gentlemen? I think I agree with that. Um, they're, they're kind of trying to answer what you pushed back on last week, where that the government is not capable of doing these things. And, well, they say, yes, we deny that they are capable of being neutral or because uh, they're always going to have their own preferences and functional gods. Um, but that doesn't stop them from being required to act in a godly manner. So I think that's supposed. it was meant to try to answer the kind of objection that you brought up last week. Okay. How about you, David? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're just kind of making it clear, hey, the, uh, yeah, there's there's no such thing as, as r religiously neutral. And um, in between shows, you guys were talking about the purpose of civil government is related to education and other things that might be family matters or church matters. 
they don't specifically address that issue here, but they're talking about the purpose of civil government. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the fact that they don't mention it is just them saying, well, they could have denied that, right? They said, we denied that. The, although they kind of got into it in the last one, maybe is the point. Yeah, yeah, when they were they were denying that it was the government's role, yeah, essentially, right. to... For education of children. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, some people might ask the question then, well, which government, right? Because the federal government, sure, but how did church... How did public education started? Well, it started with the frontier town where you know ten families moved out to start a town together, and they said, "Hey, can you tutor my kids for the during the week? Because you you know we can divide the labor up." That's how it started, right? Maybe, with a with a co-op. Yeah, basically a co-op, <laughs> right? And that turned into okay. Well, that we'll just send you to your house every every day for, for for the school year, and then it turned into a building and. And then it became overseen by a larger jurisdiction. So I think the larger jurisdiction is really the issue that people have, but not necessarily because because even a group of a few families together that make an agreement to do to share some kind of duty, that's that is already a government. It's just a very tiny one, and I don't I don't know if they're defining government very specifically because one of the other statements we read on was it health or something? Didn't they have more clear definition of? federal versus state and very local jurisdictions and cities and townships and, and so on. There are different levels of authority that they do have as well. Yeah, I think I think that's something that is going to be helpful for them to, uh, and I think they might be working backwards here a little bit, but um, for them to, yeah, distinguish, okay, if, uh, you know, if the government bears the, the civil government bears the sword, what does that, what does that look like, you know, mm -hmm. at each Sort of consecutive How do you think there. that they're defining secular in the first line of the de of the denial? You know, civil government to establish a secular, neutral, or godless order. What do they What do you think they're meaning by secular? Uh, mm, probably the idea that there could somehow be a a non-religious civil government. Yeah, or, that, or, that, or that the laws could be based on something that has not that doesn't is not based on God. Yeah, because that's why when I kind of had a little aside as I was reading it and talking about Rome, I was specifically thinking in terms of Jesus saying, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God's. Well, Caesar was not godly. Mm -hmm. And it was secular. I mean, it was a pagan religion type of a thing. Right. But it it, it was a civil well, institution. Well, there's a, a civil... difference between your command as a Christian to render unto Caesar whether or not Caesar is godly, and there's a separate command to Caesar to be godly. Right, so you have your responsibility as a believer to follow the government as long as the direct commands do not conflict with God's following God. But at the same time, the government does have a have a responsibility to govern in a godly manner, and I think that's what they're getting at here. It's not really about our responsibilities to the government; it's about the government's responsibilities to us. And honestly, I think what Jesus is kind of getting at there is is along the same lines in the sense that when he says, "Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar," so the and, and it's right on the coin is the image and likeness of Caesar. Mm -hmm. And so then the that kind of begs the question, okay, well, what image and likeness does Caesar bear? Well, he bears God's image, so he belongs to God, right? Right, all As, things belong uh, to God. Well, I I'm saying right, so when, I'm saying all all you know, all humans bear the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we all owe ourselves to God. Right, and that is I think the point of the statement really is give unto God what is God's. Well, all is God's. You bear yeah. his image and so you belong to God. Everybody is, is uh, but in terms of a, of a governmental order, a, a, a civil order, what I think in today's parlance might be called a secular order, 
because it's not necessarily about religion and practice of religion. It's just about, you know, defending borders, um, you know, taking care of crime and punishment. Those kinds of things aren't necessarily religious. And some people would understand that as secular concerns, but they might be defining the word secular more narrowly and saying, no, secular meaning by definition kind of an ungodly. I, I think what they're saying is that what people think of as secular is not actually a possibility, right? The way that you, uh, you know, establish your borders can be godly or ungodly. Right? You're going to worship somebody. Right, yeah. So so, <laughs> okay. so all, all that the government does, but none of it is actually secular in the sense that people think of as being as being a, a non-moral issue it, there every issue is a moral issue all right you guys ready to move on to number nine sure number nine number nine little beatles reference for those who know <laughs> uh, spheres of authority we affirm that god has established fears spheres i can't say it I keep saying fears, spheres of authority, such as the home, the church, the civil government. Daniel was talking about that not too long ago. The, uh, we affirm that God has given unique responsibilities and instructions to authorities within each sphere. We affirm that authorities in each sphere are subject to the rule of Christ, each retaining authority over its own sphere while being checked and balanced by others. We affirm that parents, as the authority in the home, have been given the rod for instruction, training, and discipline in wisdom and righteousness. We affirm that only the church has been given the keys of the kingdom, quote-unquote, for the binding and loosing of gospel professions, i.e. the practice of church membership and discipline, as well as God's word for the preaching of the law and gospel with the aims of conversion, sanctification, and discipline. The civil government has been given the sword as God's servants to maintain justice and civil order by punishing evildoers, avenging the innocent, commending the good, and thereby promoting citizens' general well-being. I'm going to pause there and see if you have any comments. Uh, I, I like sort of the, 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 that they're trying to sort of summarize in a word what each sphere is responsible for, right? So, you know, they have the rod in quotes, they have keys of the kingdom in quote, they have sword in quotes and and those are all biblical terms that are used i think they missed a sphere i think they should have included or we should think in terms of including personal responsibility mm. right we're responsible for self-control self-government we have to take care of our own well, heart self, and actions self, self-control right yeah <laughs> i think that i mean we have to govern our own actions and that's a sphere of responsibility, and we have a, and we have a certain authority, if you will, to to take care of those things, yeah. all, right? Not have our conscience bound well, by somebody else. We have our own conscience to answer to. Yeah. Well, I maybe maybe yeah. So I, I think they're using spheres of authority in the sense of, uh, you know, more, there being more than one person, right? So, um, you know, having to do with multiple people together. So, right, it's the the parents have responsibility for their children right the yeah so so authority in regards to you know having responsibility for the good of others um and not to do them ill like the the church for um you know for the members of the body yeah um yeah i don't know that um it has to be in there i i i, I kind of wish that they would though i'm, because... I'm trying to, i'm trying to think biblically like is there uh other than, you know, just that we're all 
held accountable for yeah, we're all our, individually our responsible. own doings. But, yeah. but all of those, you know. It, and it's I, it. I think it's important, and this is why I think they should include it, because I know that the guys who wrote this would agree on the concerns over the whole woke social justice gospel nonsense, where it's all about groupthink and group responsibility, and, and it diminishes individual personal responsibility. And you have to have both. You can't and, have one or the other. Yeah, and, and I, I just feel like there's a little bit of a hole here that I think it, it could come back to bite us if we were to sign off on this and say, well, heck, your whole statement doesn't even mention personal responsibility and authority. Well, you know, I have... Why do we have freedoms? I mean, this is kind of getting in, in, into some philosophical things, but we are granted freedoms, if you will, by God, so that we are free to then live out our responsibilities, to govern our lives in accord with his word as he would command us. So we have, the governments have certain things they have to do, the, 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 the uh, they're all government, the, uh, the uh, civil authorities, they have responsibilities to do certain things, and they're, and they're given rights by God, if you will, to do those things, and, and not anything more than those things. And the same with church leadership, and the same with family leadership, but also, in myself, like, you know, again, it ties into so many things that are part of the vernacular today. Just follow your heart. No, you have to lead your heart. You're responsible to take charge of yourself and lead your heart as God would have you lead it. And insofar as God, you're, you're, you're falling under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in, in leading your heart. Well, then you follow your heart as it's being led. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like that's a, I, I, I'm not going to fight for it. I just feel it would be stronger if it was on here. I think a couple of things. One, um, Right. Obviously, this will come down to individuals, right? So each individual parent is responsible for how they govern themselves in their role in governing their children. But not just, my point is not just as parents. If I have no kids, if I never get married, if I go live on a deserted island somewhere and it's just me, I have responsibility to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, to not right? to not live on a deserted island. <laughs> well, if you're abandoned there or something. Right? So well, um, well, so you know, maybe I have authority over that w- soccer w- ball that has you know Wilson's face <laughs> painted on it. I mean, do you do you do you want included in here that each person is? Because uh, all I can think of is you know like okay to love God and and love our neighbor, right? That's but then the love your neighbor part means you're interacting with other people. You're either an authority or under authority, you know. In the natural course of every human life, every human is in authority over some other human at some point in time. Yeah, but I th- again, I think it begins with the self. But anyway, we're probably beating a, a, a beginning of a death story. That might be a totally separate show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I had a question mark. I can't remember why I wrote a question mark. For the binding and loosing of gospel professions. Uh, I put a question mark. I guess I'm trying to figure out what do they mean by gospel professions. Well, I think it's the parenthetical that follows it explains the practice of church membership and discipline. That's, that's a that's a gospel profession. I don't I don't understand what that means. Then, to me, a profession. I think it's a poor choice of words because gospel professions is kind of like somebody saying, "Oh, I profess Christ." So that means the church gets to decide if you're saved or not. That's a dangerous path to go down. Yeah, it, it, it feels it feels a little uh, a little Catholic, and it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I don't understand what professions means. Maybe I should look it up. I'm just it's, that the word throws me because because that's why I put the question. Now I remember because it says, well, well, "I.e. the practice of church membership and discipline." It's like, how is that a profession? I don't well, get it. Well, church, church membership and church discipline both have to do with profession in the sense of the churches either affirming, you know, agreeing. So my professions, as they relate to you, profession as in. You profess something. I right? profess to be Not a Christian. And the church saying, and the church saying, 
you know, you're a member in good standing because your life shows the fruit of a hmm. professing right. so believer. Defining and losing or, of God. So whether we're going to accept under- their gospel professions as, as accurate and true. That's what I, think, I guess what I, I mean so. by that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a weird wording. I'm probably just too dense to understand what they're meaning. They're way smarter than me. Uh, so the the, uh, the last half of the affirmations here, because I don't think I read them yet, right? We affirm that Jesus Christ has appointed over his church both government and discipline, and no law of any government should, and I think they mean civil government, should interfere or hinder the due exercise thereof among the voluntary members of any assembly of Christians according to their own profession and belief. And then actually there's, uh, it's right into denial. Do you want me to just read the denial? Yeah, sure. We deny that human authority in any sphere possesses absolute or unchecked authority, even within their sphere, as Christ delegates all human authority. Therefore, all are accountable to Christ and his moral law, whether they acknowledge it or not. We deny that civil authorities may assume to themselves the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven for church discipline, but must be uniquely protective of the free exercise of the Christian faith according to the dictates of conscience under the orthodox Christian faith. And it begs the question, who defines what is orthodox they, for the government? But they did, or, they, did, <laughs> they did define it in the first article. They said these historic apostles creed and Nicene creed that all, de- right, all real denominations will abide by those. So they, they defined it. So they're saying that that's what the, the, the government's going to be bound by those creeds. Right. Is that what they're saying? No, that, that's how you define no. what is the church. That, that's, how, that's how they recognize what... Uh, Orthodoxy oh. Christian faith. Article 2 is a definition of Orthodox Christian faith. Oh, well then the Mormons are out. As universally Correct. defined, historically and universally defined and affirmed in the creeds, e.g. Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed, and we affirm that many denominational confessions articulate the Orthodox Christian faith. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, revealed in Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. So really, Protestant <laughs> denominations. <laughs> right. Because that's that's, those are the five souls. Right. Right? Yeah, so the Catholics are out. Catholics are out, mm. apparently. Um, which Eastern Orthodox are probably out. Uh, yes. They, they, might, they might accept some of the, those in Christ alone. Some, but maybe not all. I think. I, yeah. So uh, that's so, interesting. So, so, what, so yeah, some some individual either or so. I think they have defined or made Catholic. an attempt to hmm. define what Orthodox Christian faith is. So they're trying to have a broad tent, but clearly not as broad as I originally imagined. Because now there's some people that are going to be very offended yep. by this. Well, and that's and perhaps rightfully so. I'm not exactly sure how I how we should draw those lines because I don't right. know that that would fit within what we originally had going for. The people in this country really had going for them initially, right? Roman so, Catholics were allowed. I mean, Maryland was a Catholic state. Mm-hmm. And so, so what do you think they would? These people would say about the historic laws in the colonies and in America that uh, you had to be in church on Sunday morning, and if you weren't, and you couldn't prove that you were in church for like three or four Sundays in a row, then you would get punished, like be yeah. flogged or go to jail or whatever. That's been one of my concerns is who gets to decide. And if, if, if they insist on it being Sunday, but you have a conviction it should be on Saturday, mm-hmm. like what do you do? Who gets to decide? The government's going to decide that? That's, it gets very dicey. And heck, in our nation's early years, nation I know is that, that word, like, is it really a nation? Is it a combination of nations? So in the common vernacular, I'm just using what everybody understands. You have the history of the Quakers. Where do they fit? in the context of this statement, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, 
Um, I'm going to, well, I'm going to at least probably try to read Article 10, which is a lengthier one. I don't know if we have much time to talk about it in today's episode or not, but Article 10 is on nationalism and policy priorities. And I think there's going to be a lot of talk to ha- be had on this one. So we'll, we'll at least get it read and then we'll, we'll maybe hold our fire if we don't have time to get deep into it and pick it up on next week's show. But anyway, we affirm that nations possess an invaluable right to establish justice and safeguard the peace and prosperity of their own citizens. We affirm that implementing Christian nationalism in each nation will pursue punishment of each nation's great evils and promote each nation's thriving. We affirm that the specific short-term priorities of Christian nationalism in the context of the United States are to call our nation in her laws formally to acknowledge the lordship of Christ, to declare solemn days of humility and repentance, to abolish abortion. David uh, was prescient on that one. To define marriage as the covenant union of a biological male and a biological female. To de-weaponize the federal and state bureaucracies which target Christians for censorship and persecution. To secure our borders and defend against foreign invaders. To recapture our national sovereignty from godless global entities who present a grave threat to civilization like the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, etc., etc., Uh, And then they go on to say, and to exercise restraint in international military intervention and adventurism in overseas, quote unquote, democracy building. And I'm not done. They have more to say. Here it goes. We affirm that different forms of just government can achieve just laws, and we do not seek to coerce nations into one particular form of government. We deny that seeking to maintain and assert national sovereignty has anything to do with prejudice against any particular ethnicity or nation. We deny that sinful ethnic partiality has any place in the Church of Jesus Christ or in a nation that seeks to honor him. On the contrary, a Christian nation would be impartial in judgment. Okay, so that's Article 10. Uh, nationalism and policy priorities. We've got about mm, two-ish minutes or so. Uh, initial thoughts on this one. Well, now they're getting specific. Yeah, and, and this the is thing is, like the opening monologue of a cook, cook, you know, right. Tucker Carlson show but, or something. But it feels like <laughs> it feels like they haven't laid the proper foundation for people who may not be as familiar with where these priorities come from. Like they went, spent a long time saying the government needs to do moral and godly things as the Bible says, and then it says, okay, here's the specific priorities. You're missing a step. The government should do what the Bible says. The Bible says X, therefore the government should do X. That's a logical... uh, That's that's all in their proof texts that we haven't been. uh, Yeah, it's true. But I think (laughs) if especially if they want this to have really broad reach, you need to really to say clearly say have have a section say here's the Bible defines and and prohibits abortion and gay marriage and all these things and that's why the government should be doing X Y and Z. Out of curiosity, did you have a chance to to double check and make sure that there's proof texts are actually on point? I have no, not. I haven't. Because I didn't do that, and probably at some point I, I, I maybe should, or somebody, I'm sure somebody has. But uh, if you have, you know, message me, let me know if they check out or not. Because, for example, back in like uh, the Middle Ages, it you know, the the height of scholasticism, it was not uncommon at all for some of the big thinkers uh, in, in church history to you know make their arguments and point to a whole bunch of you know passages as proof texts. But if you check them out, they don't 
connect. Like they, they don't have nothing they can do with the action. They don't really need. Yeah, they might have a word. Like they might be making a point about love, a very specific point about love, for example. And then they just take a verse that happens to have the word love in it and say proof text. That has nothing to do with the point you're making. It was very common back then, and so mm. we shouldn't just take for granted because they reference a. I mean. Uh, this will right. be fighting words for some people, but Thomas Aquinas actually is famous for this, <laughs> for citing proof texts that don't really prove anything, at least not what he's trying to say. Right. So well, that, I, we, we that probably take mean, the time to do that. But that doesn't also mean that the, the, the statement itself is wrong. Correct. And, and we've been reading and discussing, and from our knowledge of Scripture, we're recognizing that a lot of the things they're saying are true. Yes. So we should verify that it's the same text. All right. So there's a little more to be said about Article 10, so I think we'll, we'll pick up next week's show with some comments on that, and then we'll get right into Article 11. This is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Troy Skinner. You can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Daniel Rasby, you can probably connect with him online through conqueredbylove.org. And uh, David Forsey, yeah, you just got to walk around and see if you bump into him sometimes on the streets around Frederick. Uh, and anyway, till next week, 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.